0: Hello and welcome back to the CF Armed Forces podcast with me, your host, James Clark. On this month's episode, we speak to Sarah Atherton MP, our parliamentary patron and MP for Wrexham. Since she last joined us, her report on women's experiences in the Armed Forces has been published. She's been promoted to PPS at the FCDO and subsequently resigned from that position on a point of principle. Today, she discusses Westminster, her report and work on the Defence Select Committee, along with some constituency issues. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, And you're now on the first episode of the third season of our podcast. Um, I think it's been about a year since you joined us last time. Could you tell us a bit about what you've been up to um, politically and also personally in the interim?
1: Yes, uh, thank you, James. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I really enjoy your podcast, so I hope I can uh, kick off the the next round suitably. Um, Well, uh, as you know, it's been a a very interesting year for me with the Women in the Armed Forces um, Subcommittee Inquiry. Uh, I have to say, in the last year, it's probably taken up most of my um, headspace, my spare time, as well as my working time undertaking this as chair. sort of lived and breathed it. Uh, for the whole year and some of the evidence I'll never forget Um, but going forward it's all about relationships and building relationships which is what I tried to do during the last year because whilst I was um, producing this quite challenging evidence I was mindful that I was going to make recommendations, which we have now done, uh, 35 in total. And and it's about working with the ministers, working with the Secretary of State to talk through behind the scenes what was going on and the weight of feeling and the weight of evidence we had uh, to try and um, make sure that they fully understood Uh, why we're making these recommendations and to encourage them to address them and I'm pleased to say all but a handful uh, were taken on by the MOD uh, which which is uh, which is really good it's a really good conclusion for us but obviously uh, we'll probably talk a bit more about this Um, but the fight continues.
0: Yeah so I mean can you obviously it seems to have had a big impact in Westminster with constituents across the country you know I've certainly read um, newspaper articles about it, um, and and had a copy of the report myself. Could you talk us through some of the feedback that you received, both in Parliament and perhaps from from people that you know whose whose stories that you've you've kind of taken on, or um, and also perhaps from industry and from the MOD and kind of what their response has been?
1: Yes, um, in Parliament, like all places, when you're dealing with something that's uh, delicate, um, there, there are some that think that actually you shouldn't really be going down here. Uh, and and some uh men and women parliamentarians as as well as some of the parliamentary staff uh, were really very supportive um as as were them, fortunately as were the ministers and the secretary of state uh, so so that was a good start since we've publish the report and our recommendations. Um, There has, quite sadly, there's been some people that for the first time, some veterans, female veterans, for the first time that they realize that this is actually going on. So I'm still receiving some quite distressing evidence. Um, And of course, now my influence uh, within my parliamentary role has come to an end for now. We are going to go back and look at progress in a year under the um, banner of the Defence Select Committee. Um, but they're still producing and sending me in evidence and unfortunately you know I can't really do much more with that at the moment which pulls on my heartstrings because I'm naturally, I'm one of these people being a a nurse and social worker by background that wants to try and help people Um, so with evidence like that we refer people to uh, Salute which is the charity that supported me and in this inquiry throughout. It's part of forward assist. Now, Salute uh, since my inquiry it has set itself up as a charity in its own right. So they're doing really well. But we tend to refer people to them. So for some people, they are still very much living this experience. But the support in Parliament has been great, the support from the ministers has been great, the support from the defence industry has been superb Um, and and even companies like Amazon and Kellogg's are getting Mm -hmm. to hear about it and saying and this is really this is a spin-off a really positive spin-off from this which I didn't think um, we would be in a position to do this but they're saying we want to now we've got the covenant but we want to now start looking particularly at female veterans Um, and all ranks, all file, files, not just the sort of officer class, mm. uh, which appeals to me in particular, because I think you know, officer class tend to get more focus than rank and file. I was a rank and file myself uh, and, and now I'm an MP. So I'm really keen that, you know, all female veterans get a chance. Um, sorry, I've got a visitor. Sorry, Jane. Hold on. That's sorry Just uh, want to, oh, you, I'm on a podcast. Can you close that door for me? I'll come through in a minute. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my husband's um, daughter is just about to give birth, and I haven't seen. Oh her wow! Friend. Oh my goodness!
0: Oh, I'm sorry to yeah. be keeping you from her. <laughs>
1: oh no, no, it's all right. No, no, where, where was I? Uh, I was waffling. So, uh, uh, no. start again.
0: Uh, no, So, so you were talking about, uh, so you talked about Amazon, you talked about being okay. uh, officer class and normally catered for, so it's good so, that the rank and file are being addressed.
1: So, uh, yes, so a number of businesses, not only defence sector businesses, but companies like Amazon, like Kellogg's, are saying, what can we do? What can we do to help? You know, we've got uh, an employee, employment gap at the moment, we've got vacancies we can't fill, we see the value of employing service personnel, we've seen your reports, we want to help, what can we do? So going forward, I'm meeting um, with Amazon to look at, and and the wider defence sector, to look at actually how we can start promoting female veterans uh, within the workplace. So this is perhaps something I'm gonna be taking on within the next year, so I'm quite excited about that. Um, So all in all, it's been a very positive result. At the end of the day, what I wanted to do was to improve the terms and conditions for female personnel and veterans. And we have done that uh, quite extensively. We didn't get everything we wanted. Uh, that's life, that's politics. Um, but we did get quite a lot. And at the end of the day, it's going to improve recruitment, it's going to improve uh, retention, uh, and it, you know, it's going to improve operational effectiveness. But as all things, and we did know this, cultural change takes decades. Uh, and some of, some of it has to grow itself out. Um, but, uh, but a really good story, James, I went to Faz Lane the other day and uh, one of the uh, submarine captains came to me, um, I have to say in the bar, but he came to me in the bar and said, I've I read your report, which, which they call the Atherton report, which actually makes me feel all gooey and as if I've done a really good job and I'm really pleased with myself for that. Um, I've read the Atherton report, he said, and uh, I took it upon myself to do it. I got a group of captains together. And I said, how are we going to address this? And he said, we are going to address it as a cohort. He said, but uh, a two star came past the other day and said to me in a loud voice, I can't get used to having women in the Navy. And he said, I felt empowered enough to challenge him. I said, and what's more, he took it. Mm. And, and he said, "I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I know it sounds quite insignificant, but it's not. It's not in military terms, and it does show quite quickly how culture is changing. But it is going to take a while.
0: I it's, suspect it's, it's very symbolic. That's a very symbolic anecdote. And you know, I'm um, I'm still serving in the reserves. And on the eighth of February, uh, we're having like a a, a cultural reset day." Uh, where and I think this is for all regulars and for, you know, reservists who are available and they'll get some um, training as well. But that's where the army are going to look at the, the culture um, that we've got and that we're creating and try and make sure that, you know, we're focusing on issues like diversity and inclusion um, and, and making people feel comfortable in their workplace, as well as, you know, get, getting the best out of them. So I think that culture change that you're talking about, you know, it does take decades, but, but we're definitely moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we certainly are. And, you know, I'd like to think this report has um, tipped that balance considerably because, you know, a lot of people have done this sort of work. Um, I just happened to be the one that was in the position to put it in front of minister, minister's Mm -hmm. noses. And I was the one that could then lobby the MOD to do that. So there's been a lot of work going on for a long while, but I think collectively uh, we've now made a difference.
0: So, Sarah, you know, you sort of said that there were kind of thirty-five recommendations. What what do you think the most important findings were in the report? And do you think that the the major issues are being addressed, um, or, or you know, you sort of all there's always more can be done. Um, but but do you think that the the government um, are having a good crack at, at trying to respond to the findings?
1: I think the government um, and the MOD have been forced. And I say that deliberately, forced to look at this issue and address it and acknowledge it. And they have done that. And for an institution like the MOD, um, that is a quite serious undertaking. We got a lot of what we wanted. And I'll start, I suppose, with the positives. So um, the big hit was that we removed the chain of command from complaints of a sexual nature. Uh, and we had a lot of evidence around that area uh, so that now the chain of command is going to be removed from that that is one big success then we've got a lot of commitment towards flexible service parental leave wraparound childcare, combat requirements uh, around clothing around equipment around sanitary products um, We're also looking at more strategic and policy stuff that the MOD are Mm -hmm. now going to change around victim support, reporting and particularly investigation of sexual assaults uh, to make sure things like the the forensic evidence is there, because shockingly forensic evidence was um, commonly not taken. And therefore, how do you get a conviction if you haven't got the evidence? So we're looking at that. The MOD are going to look at forensic evidence and how that is taken. Victim support and ongoing victim support, um, which is something that we've noticed that they weren't particularly strong on. So a lot of progress has been made. For veterans, there is now an absolute recognition that women are a specific cohort and have slightly different needs and that is an acknowledgement in the recent veteran strategy that came out I think last week uh, I think Leo Doherty announced it last week they have now specifically referenced female veterans and their needs and there's going to be funding around research and I know Saluteur and uh, Forward Assist are, are going to be looking to try and bid for some of that funding so for female veterans they are now very much on the agenda, where they should have been for a long while, so so that is a, you know that is a big change. What we didn't get, unfortunately, and I, I'll be truthful, I was a bit down for a while over this, but I had a feeling we weren't going to get it. it was murder, manslaughter, and rape will still be heard in a military court? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to put a hand on heart, James. I don't quite understand why the MOD uh, dug the heels in on this, um, but they did. They didn't agree with our statistics. Uh, they were using different databases, and, and they felt the concurrent jurisdiction system was enough to give confidence uh, for women in pursuing that uh, legal process. I don't agree. I didn't agree, um, and, and that's why I voted against it in the Armed Forces Bill.
0: And so, I, you know, that that kind of nicely kind of segues into my next question, which is, you know, obviously you recently resigned as a PPS, and and that that and and that's that was as a consequence of that decision. Can you kind of talk us through? know how how you arrived at that decision and also what the fallout's been you know did you regret it was it the right call and it sounds like it was a principled you know matter of principle for you
1: yeah um for background there's an understanding across parliament across all parties that if you're a a pps effectively a bag carrier for a secretary of state you are uh, technically on the payroll you don't get paid but you're technically on the payroll so yeah. you are part of government and therefore you don't vote against the government now these women i was pps for the foreign and commonwealth office uh, development mm-hmm. office uh, now these women trusted me with their experiences and they trusted that i would honor the process of the inquiry so for me there was never uh, there was never a time that i thought i would not vote in favor of my recommendation And it was a matter of principle integrity there was never a doubt in my mind which way i was going to vote for this Uh, so it, it wasn't a surprise when i had to resign from my pps position um and um and i voted against the government on that um i have to say it was the right thing to do because i will live with my conscience um these jobs particularly an mp's job come and go Uh, But I have to live with my conscience and it was absolutely the right thing to do. What I didn't anticipate was how hard it was to actually walk through um, the no lobby Mm. and how I felt, because we're military, you Mm. know, we have loyalty um, and we have duty and we have loyalty and and these are great attributes. Mm. Um, But actually i compromised that by voting against the government. So I felt pretty, pretty miserable with myself for a few days, Because I had to go through that process and because I felt perhaps I'd let my my parliamentary family down, um, but it was absolutely the right thing to do. And I don't regret it. And behind the scenes, I got a lot of support for it because, quite frankly, I was a bit compromised.
0: Mm. I mean, it sounds like, you know, from from what you said there. You, you know, you do have loyalty and you do have obligations, you have duty to the parliamentary party and to to the government, you know, of which you, you were a member and you you are a member, effectively, as a, as a Conservative MP. But actually, you also have that sense of loyalty, duty, obligation to, you know, some of the people who contributed evidence, you know, some of the women who've been involved in some of these dreadful cases. And, of course, also any, any female service person who wants, you know, and has, has absolutely the should have the expectation and the right to a a safe um you know working environment so it it sounds to me like you kind of you know whilst it might have been difficult to kind of go against the party it it sounds like a no-brainer in terms of the the people that you're actually in parliament trying to represent
1: yes um, you know when you sit there and you listen and you speak to these women and you see these women not all have bad experiences and we should remember that um, but of course, it's the really bad experiences that will always stay with me. But when I, I had a focus group with some of these women that um, had been sexually assaulted and I saw them and I looked into their eyes and, you know, I, there's no way there's no way I could have voted any different. Um, but I do have absolute loyalty to the parties as well. So these are tricky situations that, you know, MPs have to make. It's just the first time in my parliamentary career I'd had to make it.
0: Yeah. So the government, you know, your, your kind of time um, at the FCDO, that's that's kind of been, uh, that's been put on hold. So h- how have you been filling your time and what's next for you on the Defence Select Committee?
1: Oh, well, um, it's funny how you manage to fill your time in Parliament. So we, we had the veteran <laughs> strategy uh, that came out last week, also the family strategy, uh, which I've been involved in. Um, not directly, but indirectly with the veterans minister on that. I'm really making sure that the women's angle uh, and the female veterans angle is is, is heard. So I've been involved in that. Now, Forward Assist um, and Salute Her, who have been supporting these women, and actually their their case file increased by 200 um, on the back of this inquiry, which is quite sad in itself. Mm. Uh, I've been trying to support them in whatever way I can because I feel obliged, because they supported me and, and, um, and, the, and the veterans and service personnel so much, I want to continue to support them in return. And, and they've been trying to encourage women to build confidence in themselves after their experiences. And they've been doing debating, they've, they've run a debating society with Cambridge University, and they want to come to Parliament um, to do a mock debate. And I want to come to, par- I want them to come <laughs> to Parliament. So uh, I can say, thank you, here I am, we did this together. And also to give them a bit of a treat. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Uh, perhaps some nibbles and a tincture. And then I'll get lots of people down um, and really try and start celebrating female veterans and the, and the way that females play a massive role in our military. So I'm, I'm involved in doing all that, which is really quite exciting. Uh, and obviously, they'll have a quick tour around Parliament. But I'm also involved with the Northern Ireland legacy behind the scenes um, with, with Brandon Lewis. And I have some casework in Wrexham. Um, right. From constituents who have been involved in the troubles there. We've had, obviously, we've got the black cloud over us with Russia and Ukraine and NATO at the moment. So, within my defence work, uh, I'm heavily involved in that. And uh, a few months ago, I, I was lucky enough or unlucky enough uh, to go to Bosnia Herzegovina and um, look at what was going on there and the tensions. I, I say unlucky, it's a beautiful place, but mm. unlucky because the tensions are still starting to bubble up yet again and there's influence of Russia there and migration um, etc and I've met with the Serbian um, defence minister only a few days ago to look at what's going on there and their relationship with Russia and uh, Republic of Serbska so that's really interesting uh, stuff that's been going on Uh, and I'm trying to think what else there's always time I'm spending more time in my constituency Um, things are a little tricky uh, at the moment as we all know so I want to spend as much time as I can out and about answering questions from constituents um, and actually the feeling's not as bad as um, as it could be put it that way so my, my time is pretty pretty full at the moment mainly around um, the defence side of things.
0: So Wrexham's um, you know is <clears> a <throat> marginal seat and you're the first Conservative uh, member of Parliament for Wrexham I believe ever? I am. Yeah um, you know it 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 must be busy. It must be engaging. You must have a a very kind of full constituency calendar. Um, It would be remiss if I if I didn't sort of mention the current difficulties um, for the prime minister, the whole number 10 operation. Is that is that being raised on the doorstep? You know, are you finding that the the people of Wrexham are, are infuriated by some of the um the stories that are certainly coming out um, and we'll obviously we need to, to <laughs> in, the, in the prime minister's words wait for the for sue Gray's report to um to, to kind of uh, to come back and and to be published but you know is is it coming through on the doorstep how how's the mood
1: i thought the mood was going to be worse than it is the the first um weekend i came back i, I, I deliberately went out and about and i thought i was going to be for in for a bit of a hard time mm. and um I was leafleting for a health campaign I'm running.
0: And Mm, the health
1: service in North Wales is particularly bad. So actually, it's probably a good time for me to get out and about. And and what I try to do is say to people is, look, okay, that's going on in Parliament. It's not good. It doesn't look good. But unless you're in that parliamentary world, you don't quite know what the work environment is like. And it is really hard. Mm. You know, I'll be in at half seven in the morning and I could leave at anything you know, around 11, 12, one, two in the morning, that's yeah. the worst case scenario, but they are long days. I'll have breakfast, lunch, I'll socialize, I'll have a drink, I'll have dinner, I'll sit in the office, I'll have meetings. And it's very difficult to decide what's a meeting and what's social. So I sort of, because of where I am in the position, the context I am in, I understand some of the, um, the rebuttals that are being made from mm. the PM, however, There are some areas where, you know, I am a little bit angry because the backlash is on someone like me that's trying really hard in my constituency. However, when I've been out and about, I thought I was going to get a really hard time. I didn't. I had one lady that spoke to me about she liked my jacket when she saw me in P&Qs and can I get some dog poo bins? (laughs) <laughs> Another chat mentioned about oh, it's quite arts, but it's fun. Another chat mentioned um, about the healthcare campaign and he can't get to see his GP for his blood pressure monitoring he's now a diabetic. Uh, so these are the things that really matter on the ground. That's not to say I haven't had more negative emails about this than Dominic Cummings, because I have, but they tend to be more of a campaign email. Mm-hmm. And they're probably, as we're a conservative group, they are people that are not going to vote for me ever. Mm. So Mm. you have to box them off. They are constituents, so you apply to them, but you have to box them off from the real world. And the real world is more concerned about trying to get access to a GP or a hip-hop or um, trying to get a prescription. Um, So what I've been trying to do to sort of counterbalance this is work really hard in constituency on my health survey. Um, But in Parliament, it it, it, it is different. Uh, We are one political family Uh, and leaders will come and go but the party remains and we are a broad church so I mean you know we all say this we're a broad church and we value that therefore you know we can disagree without being disagreeable Uh, and we'll see where it goes with that strap line we'll wait for the Sue Gray report to come out um, and and see what happens then it's not been an easy time for someone like me in a marginal seat Um, and and some of some of my council group aren't very happy either and, and I have to deal with that but you know, I sat, I listened to the PM, wearing my very nice jacket that that lady thought was super. I listened to the PM. Um, my staff thought it looked like a highlighter pen, by the way, but
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to go through the video and find you. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I looked like a, a yellow highlighter. But um, I listened to him and I thought, you know what, I believe you. You've got to now get the electorate to believe you. And I have to say with my defense hat on, I am more concerned with 120,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, with field hospitals, with blood banks, and what will that mean for the Ukrainian people and migration and humanitarian grounds? I'm more concerned about that. I'm more concerned that Putin is the kingmaker for energy and he decides who he sells his gas to and for how much. I'm more concerned about what will that mean for my constituents whose bills could go up by £800 next year. We've got inflation predicted to be 5%. These are issues that I'm really worried about, and I have to be honest. I see the Prime Minister really quite refocusing on these issues that matter to uh, to people here in Wrexham. So at the moment, I'm really happy with what he's doing. Has he made my life difficult? Yes, he has. Do I believe he, you know, he's getting on running the country? He absolutely is, and we need to just hold on to that for now. And um, you know, I, I I remind people it is him that got us. Um, Brexit delivered. We got Brexit done on the back of him. I'm Brexit here. This is a Brexit constituency. He got that delivered. I'm here because of him. Uh, We we saved on the furlough scheme 15,000 jobs here in Wrexham. I remind people of that. I remind people we've got the best vaccine and booster rollout in Europe. I remind people that we are now out of this pandemic and into an endemic sooner than any other place in Europe. So these are the sort of strap lines that I keep saying to people. And you know what? They're now saying, yeah, we get it. And by the way, we're really fed up with the BBC. We're really fed up with the media. They are drip, drip, dripping this. Uh, and, and actually, people are turning and saying they've had enough of this. He's getting on with doing stuff.
0: So, I mean, Sarah, that's, that is what, you know, kind of very calm, very wise um, kind of take on it. It sounds like you're, you've not, um, you've not, You've not been part of the uh, the, the reported pork pie putch, um, and it sounds like you're you're kind of um, you're sort of very much banging the drum, not necessarily for Boris Johnson himself, but for the government and for the steps that have been taken throughout the pandemic. And actually, that that you know comment that you made about focusing on the issues that really matter to people, like um, you know. The, the, the difficulties that we've got with russia both in the ukraine and with the, the gas supplies with inflation um and you know your, your constituents talking about their sort of medical appointments you know those are the things that people really care about and that, that, that get them into the polls um less so you know birthday cake issues mm. um that are you know getting 24-hour coverage um thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the podcast as our parliamentary patron um, I sometimes worry that you feel like a bit of a hostage um, to my invites, um, but thank you so much for giving up some of your time on a Friday afternoon uh, and giving us such an interesting um, and informative uh, overview of what you've been up to, some of the international issues at the moment, and um, certainly the uh, the the success um, that you've had with the Atherton Report and the Defence Select Committee.
1: James, thank you for having me, and as always, I'm here to help. Um, all veterans that uh, want to step up and uh, take part in a in, in sort of active parliamentary uh, social civic duty sort of role
0: perfect thanks so much sarah
1: thanks james bye bye.
0: thank you for listening to this month's edition of the cf Armed forces podcast for more information on our organization please go to
1: www.cfarmforces.org we hope you join us again next month